Amen. All right, so we're in Philippians chapter 4, and uh, we're starting at verse number 4 today. So let's read verses 4 through 7. Good to see Philip and Carrie Ann over there. Your kids got so big, but good to to see you back in the house of the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. Oh, you know what? Let's stand together. I want to do that again. (laughs) Woo! Philippians 4, verse 4. Let's stand together and read the Word of God today. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated now. (laughs) Hallelujah. God is good. (laughs) It's offering time. All right, we're, we're catching on little by little. Last week we talked about peace in the church. This week we're, talk, we're talking about lasting peace, peace in your heart. I think if there's peace in our hearts, guess what? There's going to be peace in the church. Amen? Uh, last week there was two ladies that were having an issue, verse number 2, chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, they were good people, good workers valuable to to the Lord, valuable to Paul, valuable to the church. So Paul said basically in that first three verses, help them get along with each other. I just want to make a couple of comments before we go on to the next little part here. First comment I want to make is I actually have received an email or two over the years that were hurtful. If you remember me saying that, I said I never got one. We thought about it this week and sure enough, I I got a couple. But the thing is, the good news is I forgot about it. So that's why I didn't say it last week, but I, remembering during the week, I said, oh yeah, I did say that, so I better correct that. So that's number one. Number two, in verses one, two, and three, uh, Paul is addressing some personality issues, some personal issues between two people. Uh, he addresses other issues uh, within the body of Christ in a different way. I just want to take a minute to address those other types of issues he might address. He addresses these other issues in a much different way. If you remember, the message last week was, you know what, help these ladies, they're good, work it out, it's all going to be okay. And that's, that's typically how it should be. That's an ideal situation. But he also addresses, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 5, we won't go there, but I just want to mention it. There was sexual sin in the church. And in that setting, in 1 Corinthians 5, he said, you know what, release that person over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. He said in that chapter, in that context, he said, you know, I told you not to keep company with sexually immoral people. But he said, I didn't mean the sexually immoral people of the world, because if you did that, who would you associate with? I'm meaning sexually immoral people in the church. So in that setting, when there's sin like that in the camp, there's a much more drastic 
you know, discipline or application of the word in, in that situation. The other, the other topic that I thought of was doctrinal issues. When there's doctrinal issues, Paul was very concise, very clear on what he was saying. We won't go to it, but 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 4 mentions three people. These names are not so hard to pronounce. Hermeneus, Philetus, and Alexander. But he said to the church, avoid them, uh, move away from them, shun them, because they've departed from the truth. They've taken certain doctrines that we hold dear, and they've twisted those doctrines. He said about Alexander, he said, you know what? He, he, uh, he hurt the cause of Christ. He did much damage to the body. So avoid him. Beware of him. The issue was, just to mention, was they were applying some Gnostic beliefs into the idea of water baptism, thinking that when someone's water baptized, something happens to their spirit, and their spirit somehow gets closer to God or something supernatural happens like that. And Paul said, no, not, that's not that. So when there's doctrinal issues, we do have to draw a line and deal with that a little bit different. So I think of verses 1, 2, and 3. Uh, what did my, I wrote down. I said, these are dealing with regular old problems of two people just not getting along. Those kind of issues, in my mind, are actually much easier to deal with than sin in the camp or doctrinal issues. But as we get into verses 4 through 7 which I've entitled the message today, Lasting Peace. Uh, This is a word not for anyone in particular, but for everyone within the church. The Church of Philippi, the Church of Haverhill, the Church Through the Ages. This is a a teaching that um, how we can all receive uh, and apply the peace of the Lord to our lives all the time. It's basically a state of being. It's basically a a state of mind and a state of spirit. Look at verse 7 real quickly. It says that uh, the peace of God will guard your hearts and guard your mind. It's a way that we think. It's a way that we live. It's a way that we conduct ourselves. It's a way that we function in this world with this knowledge that the peace of God is on us, on me. So we're going to do what we do and go verse by verse and then uh, make some application to this. I'm going to give you five Um, five areas to consider in achieving and maintaining the peace of God in our lives. So lasting peace. Verse number four, I wonder uh, if there's anyone here that when you read that, you thought back about 30 or 40 years ago and you thought about a song that everybody used to sing. Anyone remember that song? (laughs) Only a couple. I, I was tempted to do that today. I don't know that we have time to do that, but it was sung in a round. You know what a round is? Typically, the men would say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. And then uh, they would sing that. Then the middle part is, rejoice, rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. And then when they got halfway through, the ladies would pick up. So it would like be going like this and going like this, and all together was one beautiful sound of praise to the Lord. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Oh, some of you do. I, I jogged your memory. Okay, very good. So rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. By saying rejoice, he's saying be glad, be joyful, be encouraged, and be optimistic. Like we were today, maybe. Uh, And and he says always, rejoice in the Lord always. Always? What about when I'm having a bad day? Or a week, or month, or a year, or life? Well, the principle is rejoice always. In other words, it has to be cultivated in our spirit 
to pursue this rejoicing. But rejoice in the Lord always. It's the undercurrent of our faith. I have to repeat what our friend Santo said many years ago. Our Christian faith is a singing faith. We have someone to sing to, someone to sing about. We have a glorious God that sings over us. So we're, we're called to be worshipers and to rejoice in the presence of God. Now, in the context of Philippians 3 and 4, um, we, are, we are citizens of heaven. We're working out issues in the church. God is with us. We're waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus. And in the process of all that, he's saying, you know what, church? Just rejoice in the Lord. I almost hear the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. God is with you. And in that context, it's going to be okay. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. If we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, everything's going to work out. Romans 12.12 says rejoice in hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says, rejoice in truth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, rejoice always. 1 Peter 5, 18 says, believing you rejoice. And it says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say to rejoice in yourself or rejoice in your money or your possessions or your belongings or your accolades or your successes in life. No, rejoice in the Lord because you know why? It's God working in you. We're not doing anything in our own strength. If we didn't, if we didn't need the Lord, you know, what, what would we do? We wouldn't even be here, but we're, we're, we need the Lord. We have to recognize our need of the Lord. Let me share a couple more things here. Jethro said that, uh, he said to rejoice in how good God is to Israel. Jeremiah said, God's word was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Jesus said, there's rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents. Luke said in the book of Acts, rejoice. They were rejoicing because they considered themselves worthy of persecution. Peter said, we'll be rejoicing at the return of Christ. And Paul said in a different place, rejoice for the joy of the fellowship of the saints. So verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He says it twice. Do it. Do it in light of who you are in Christ Jesus. Now, verse number five. Let your gentleness, now, now there's three thoughts in verses four and five. Verse four is rejoice. Verse five is be gentle. And verse five also is talking about the return of the Lord. They're almost like three uh, disconnected thoughts, but not really. I want to try to explain this. But he says, be, be, uh, let your gentleness be known to all men. Let your gentleness be made known to all men inside the church and outside of the church. Can I give you a little suggestion? There's a correlation between rejoicing in the Lord and having a gentle, humble spirit to other people. They kind of go hand in hand, if you will. You can't really spend a lot of time rejoicing in the Lord and worshiping the Lord and not be changed by the Lord. His presence does something to us. Galatians 5.23, I realize some of your translations may have a different word for gentleness. Your, your, your translation may say meekness or kindness, but Gentleness is one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.23. Colossians 3.12 reminds us it's our duty to put on gentleness. 
So rejoice and be gentle to everyone. Carry yourself in such a way that, you know, you're a little bit different than you were before. And then verse 5b, I'm thinking, oh, wow, he throws this in right here. The Lord is at hand. So we should be rejoicing. The Lord is at hand. We should be gentle to everyone, understanding the season we live in, that Jesus is coming back. But in the context, again, ye citizens of heaven that are working out your issues in the church, rejoice and be gentle with one another. Settle down because Jesus is coming. His return is right there. Can I mention that today? That the return of Jesus is right here, according to the scripture. In James 5.8, we read this. Be patient and establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Revelation 22 and different passages use this Aramaic word, Maranatha. Lord, come quickly. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. The early church was expecting Jesus to come at any moment. We should do no less than expect the return of the Lord. I know everyone says, well, look at the, the times we're in. It looks like the Lord's going to come back. I, I, I think that too. I, every generation should be thinking that. I think every generation has been thinking that. When you think of all the terrible things that have happened in world history, I'm sure Christians in other generations thought the same thing. This must be the end, you know, considering what was going on at that time. Now it's global, so that's a little different. But still, um, we, we, the church has always been expecting the Lord to return. So he said, the Lord is at hand. What he's talking about here is the rapture of the church. The taking away, the snatching away of the believers. And nothing has to happen for that to happen. He could come at any time. We read this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. But there'll be the, the, he'll come with a shout. He'll come with the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ will arise. We who remain will be caught up together to be with him in the air. And he says in that, in that setting, in verse number 18, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, comfort each other with these words. So the Lord is at hand. Keep fighting the good fight. Romans 13 tells us this. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Luke 12, 40, Jesus said, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at a time when you least expect. Let your lamp be filled. This might be too close. Let your lamp be filled. Let your, let your life be filled with the presence of God. Be busy about the things of God, because the Lord is at hand. I want to talk about that in a little bit. Verse number 6. Because of all the above, your rejoicing, your gentleness, the coming of the Lord... Don't be anxious. Anxious, being anxious is the buzzword. To, everyone's got anxiety. I got it and you got it. <laughs> we all have it <laughs> to some level, especially driving. Can I just say something about that? It's crazy around here. But there's anxiety. Everyone's got anxiety. But it says don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be fearful. Don't be stressed out or apprehensive about his coming. Or really don't be stressed about anything because God's got this. I want to tell you, church, God has this under control. He didn't just save us and leave us floundering around on our own. We have the Holy Spirit. 
We have the body of Christ. We have the word of God. He's with us through all these things that are going on. So don't be anxious, but, but, but he says, don't be anxious, but he says, you know what? Pray. Like there's a correlation of not being anxious and having prayer. So prayer in this context means having fellowship with God. You can have prayer while you're driving. You can have prayer while you're taking a shower, walking down at the beach or going for a walk through the park. You could be communing with God anywhere. Worshiping him, praising him, quoting scripture to him, repenting, whatever. Having fellowship with God. He's saying, do that. Let that be a part of your lifestyle. And he says, also, make supplication. Supplication is a little, it's it's part of prayer. But supplication is zeroing in on a couple of things that you really want God to move on in your life. Prayer is general. But supplication are those specific areas where we're calling upon the Lord with urgency and desperation. We need deliverance. We need help. We need provision. Lord, touch this part of my life or someone's life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Have an attitude of prayer. It says to give thanks to the Lord uh, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It says in in, uh, verse number six, uh, pray and uh, bring supplications with thanksgiving. Prayer with thanksgiving. That's a way of saying, uh, I have confidence. I know God hears me. I know God's going to do it. I'm thanking the Lord for what I don't even see yet. But it exercises our faith in Christ. Pray with thanksgiving. And then he says uh, in verse number seven, um, he says, then or end the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I like that part. Then the peace of God, the peace of God, will guard your heart. Let me put it this way. The peace of God will overshadow your heart and overshadow your mind. Sometimes our mind is our own worst enemy. Can I get an amen right there? We think entirely too much sometimes. (laughs) Now the heart is the spirit. The mind is where we think. And I like that the Lord addresses both the heart and the mind. So we pray, we commune, we, we, we supplicate, we, we bring our things to God and, and we rest in the knowledge that he's with us and the peace of God will come upon us. I find it interesting that in, in uh, Romans 5, verse 1, it says that we have, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have this peace. But in the context of Philippians 4, through our prayer and worship and rejoicing, we're reactivating or rekindling that peace that God has already given to us. And you know what I mean. We have it, but we don't have We have it, but we're not exercising it. It's there, but we're not living in it. We know it's there somewhere, but we're not living in it. When we worship the Lord, when we pray and, and get, get serious with the Lord, that peace of God is reactivated in our soul, in our mind, in our heart, and in our spirit. And so I, I think the Lord is, is speaking volumes to us. Lasting peace can be uh, achieved in our hearts. I just have, I have to say something. We need the AC on in here a little bit. I don't know what's going on. Can we, can we help? Can we, Bruce, can we do anything with the air? Oh, where it's a problem? It's on now? <laughs> Thank you. 
All right. <laughs> oh, man, I feel 10 degrees lighter. Somebody did that on normally kid. <laughs> okay. How are we doing? Are we doing all right, everybody? Are we having fun in the Lord's house today? I'm having fun. I don't know about anybody else. I loved our worship time. So Greg, man, thank you for your ministry. Stacy, wherever she is, thank you for your ministry. Juanita, Esther, man, Kelly, man, we were worshiping God. We give you the highest praise. I can't get it out of my spirit. I'm going to be singing that all day today. More than the air I breathe. More than the song I sing. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Where are we? Oh, we're in church. Okay. My citizenship's in heaven, though, right? But here we are. No, I, I'm happy to be in church today. I think, you know, church is so important. I mean, we wouldn't have this if we weren't here today. Those of you online, praise the Lord, you're online. But I always tell people, you know, church is God's idea. It's not the pastor's idea. It's God's idea. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, especially as you see the day approaching. You get together, stir up love and good works, and it should be a positive experience, you know? Church should be a happy place, a place to do business with God, a place to grow. Hopefully, uh, this message will help us all grow a little bit. I've got five points to go through here. So I don't know what time, no, I'm only kidding, but let me get started. Okay, if you want lasting peace, based on Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, numero uno, choose joy in the Lord. It says to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, It's, it's a command. So if the Lord is commanding us, we have to make a decision, either we're going to say yay or nay. Either we're going to do it or we're not going to do it. I read a post this past week from a pastor friend of mine. I'm going to try to tell the story to make a point. So bear with me. I hope I get it right. I'm not too good at this sort of thing, but I'm going to try. The story is about uh, Adam Sandler, the actor. Adam Sandler. I'm not for or against him. I don't know him too much. I think he's funny sometimes. But anyway, he tells the story when he was finishing up his studies, I think at New York University School of Acting or so, somewhere down there. You know, he was pursuing an acting career. And his, one of his professors, very prominent professor in that department, took him out to dinner. And uh, a very nice place, nice restaurant, and Adam's thinking, wow, you must think I'm really special. You know? And as, as they're having dinner together, the professor, at the end of their time, he says, you know, Adam, I have to tell you, you're not cut out to be an actor. You should really find a different profession. 
you don't have what it takes to be a really successful actor. Well, obviously, Adam didn't take that advice. He went on to become a very good actor, very successful actor. Well, as the story goes, many, many years later, I don't know if this was recently or not, but many years later, Adam and his friends were at an event, and lo and behold, he runs into this professor. And it could have been a time for Adam to say, look at me now, bud. But he didn't do that. He introduced the professor to his friends as, hey, hey, guys, this is the, the very first person that ever took me out to dinner and blessed me with a good meal. And let it go with that. It's how we choose to look at things that's important. When the Lord says, and the Holy Spirit is saying, rejoice in the Lord. All, you could have, and I could have a, a list of excuses why we can't or we shouldn't. And we're all in the same boat. But the Lord is saying, you know what? Put that aside. Rejoice in the Lord anyway. Rejoice in the Lord anyway. It's how you approach it and how you look at things. I quoted some people in the Bible before, but let me give you a reference. Exodus 18, 19, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, rejoiced at at, uh, the goodness of God in Israel. Can we just begin to think about the goodness of God in our lives? You might say, you don't know what's going on in my life. Everything's going wrong. Can I just tell you something? You're alive and you have a Savior. You have a church family that loves you. You have the Word of God that can speak to your heart. Let's just rejoice in the goodness of God. Jeremiah said, the Word of God is my joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Picture yourself alone reading the Word of God somewhere and letting that be your joy and your rejoicing. When you read where you fit in the story of redemption, you are saved. Rejoice in your redemption. Jesus said uh, in Luke 15, there's more joy in heaven over a sinner who repents. You know, the angels rejoice. Can we rejoice that we've repented of our sins and we're living for God? Can we think of somebody recently that gave their heart to the Lord and just rejoice over that person's salvation? Luke wrote in Acts 5, uh, he was talking about Peter and the apostles. They were rejoicing that they were worthy of persecution. Oh my goodness. I don't know that we have any real persecution over here, but... When things happen that are negative, can we begin to rejoice that this is our opportunity to shine? Right? This is our time to shine. Hallelujah. Oh, I got to get my phone ready for something coming up. Just thought of it. (laughs) Now, Peter said in 1 Peter 4, there's going to be rejoicing when the Lord returns. Have a happy heart in anticipation of his return. And many of us are saying, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Lord, come now. Look over in Philippians 2, verse 28. Paul is saying, to paraphrase, there's joy within the fellowship of the saints. So I want to encourage you, church, if you want to have lasting peace, begin to be a rejoicing person. And keep this one thought in mind. It could always be worse. (laughs) God will provide for you. Here's number two. Here's number two, verse 5a. If you want lasting peace, we've got to reflect Jesus. Let your gentleness be made known to all men, in the church, outside of the church. Be known as a gentle or a kind person. I want to read this from uh, the message translation, Luke chapter 6. You could turn there, but I want to read it from the message. Luke 6, starting at verse 27. It says, To you who are ready for the truth... 
I say this, love your enemies. Don't you wish that wasn't in there? I mean, every time I read it, I say, Lord, it's just so contrary. But yeah, let them, <laughs> let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with, with the simple, I'm sorry, respond with the supple moves of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present out of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more payback. Live generously. So let your gentleness be made known to all men, but reflect. We could never do that. On, I can't do that on my own. There's no way. But if I'm, if I'm under the anointing of God, look, Matthew 11 says this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, he says. Learn from me. That's the key part right here. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. In other words, let's be like Jesus. We've all come to him. Let's learn from him. How did he handle you when you first came to him? It, me, he could have he knocked me over, but he embraced me and loved me. He was gentle with me. When Jesus met the woman caught in adultery, how did he respond to her? He was not mean-spirited, whatever. He was kind and gracious and forgiving to her. The story of the prodigal son's father. That man was kind and gracious to his son, reflecting the love of our father. So I want to encourage you, church, if you haven't, start hanging around Jesus. He'll rub off on you and me. He'll, he'll rub off on you, on us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We're being transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ from glory to glory. You believe that? We're being transformed by the Holy Spirit, by the working of Christ in us from glory to glory. In other words, we haven't arrived yet, but we're on the way. We're being changed from glory to glory. Reflect Jesus. Reflect the, the Prince of Peace that we serve. That's a timely word for us right now. In our nation, in our culture, there's so much unrest there must be a voice of reason and peace in, in, this, in the mix of everything that would point people to a greater authority. So if you want lasting peace, number one, rejoice in God. Choose joy. Number two, reflect Jesus. Number three, settle this in your heart right now. Jesus Christ is coming back. Whether you believe it or not, whether say, make a million excuses for it, whatever, the word of God says that Jesus Christ is coming back. It's always been a doctrine in the church. It's a doctrine in our church now. Settle it in your heart, your mind, and your spirit and live that way. 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us all about the rapture, the shout. The Lord will descend with a shout. Hey! And with the, the trump of the archangel, the trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will arise. We who remain will be caught up and be with him in the air, meet him in the air. And verse 18 says, therefore, comfort one another. When he says the Lord is at hand, that should be a comforting thought, not a fearful thought. If you're in good standing with God, it should be a comforting thought. If you're not in good standing with God, it should be a fearful thought. But for the body of Christ, no, it's something that we comfort each other with. 
Jesus is coming back. There's joy, there's excitement, there's anticipation, but there's a comfort in knowing that all that we're dealing with is one day going to be over and done with. In this life, we have tribulation. In that life, we have overwhelming peace and joy. Hallelujah. So, so I, I think, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, in a similar passage, Paul writes all about the rapture. And he says in verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, because Jesus is coming back, will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. But because of that, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't be discouraged. Don't be, get apathetic. Don't be, you know, so distressed you can't do anything. Know that God, Jesus is coming back. He will establish us and keep us going. There's, there's going to be a church thriving when he comes. That's a given. The question is, are we going to be a part of that thriving church? I want to be in it. I want to be in that church that's raptured and caught up to be with the Lord. I want to be, I want to meet you all in the, in the, in the sky, in the clouds. I want to see you on the other side. Could you imagine when all of that becomes not something we read about, but it becomes a reality for us? I think there's a, a, a good teaching involved is that it can happen in our lifetime. Every Christian generation believed that and thought that. And one generation, you know what? It's going to happen. And the way things are going, like we say, it looks like it could be at any point right now. But he's coming back. Be ready for his return. Number four is this. So if you want, if you want lasting peace, what do we say? Choose joy. Reflect Jesus. Know that Jesus is coming back. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Number four this is really important, but develop a prayer life. You know, it's interesting, the different dynamic in the Word of God. He, the Word says all these things that we have. And then there's this little application of, but pray and, and bring supplications and exert your energy or your, your, your time and your, insert yourself into that equation. In other words, pursue God. We can't just Oh, I'm saved and live our life the way we were. No, we have to pursue God. But anyway, verse number six says, don't be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I, I want to encourage you. When the, the word pray, I said it earlier, but when you pray, just find a place, make a place. You know, Jesus talked about going into your closet, your prayer closet, the inner room. Make an appointment with God. Every morning at 6 a.m., make an appointment with Jesus Christ. And you can't be late for that appointment, or, well, maybe you can, but just meet with Jesus every day. That's what you do. That's what we do. Brush our teeth, have a cup of coffee, wash our face. It's part of the routine. We meet with Jesus. Right, Brother Willie? I know you do. <laughs> and I appreciate you letting me know. And we communicate early every day. It's wonderful. And, and supplicate, supplication. <sighs> pastor uh, Mark Batterson, Assembly of God pastor, I think in D.C., wrote a, a book several years ago called Circle Prayer. And what he was saying was when you pray, like, like prayer you know, like, is kind of general. 
we pray, we have fellowship with God, we read scriptures and, you know, it's all good. But at some point we begin to make supplications or petitions before the Lord. But he said, talked about circle prayer. Get a couple of things that you really need God to move in in your life and circle it and pray for those things until there's an answer from the Lord uh, regarding those issues. So it could be someone's salvation. Could be someone's healing. Could be someone's financial situation or some problem or issue that arises. It could be a, a marriage or children or some other issue that you may have. But circle that thing and pray without ceasing for that issue until God breaks through. Turn with me to uh, John chapter 15, if you would, real quick. John chapter 15. Uh, starting at verse 7. Just a couple of scriptures here. This is the, pa- the passage about... Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. But John 15, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, that's crucial. Abide in Christ. I don't know that we could pray without abiding in Christ. I don't know that we would even want to pray if we weren't abiding in Christ. But I guess it could happen. But abide in me. Uh, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. Let me just paraphrase that. Abide in Christ. Let the word of God abide in you. And when you ask what's on your heart, when you bring supplications before the Lord, it'll be done for you. And, and in this process of prayer and trust and faith, my Father is glorified and and. When you bear much fruit as a result of your prayer, my father is glorified. And in this setting, you are called my disciples. That's what disciples do. So I want to encourage you, abide in Christ, ask in faith and trust God for the results. And I know what someone's going to say. I've been praying about this for 20 years. Make it 21. Make it 22 or whatever. All I know is Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you my experience. I'm preaching to you what the word of God says. The word of God says to pray, to abide in him, uh, uh, ask and know his word. And in that setting of making your supplications known, he will respond to you. Now, he may not respond the way you want him to respond. It's either a yes or a no or not yet. But he will respond. And in that setting, in that environment, our faith is exposed. And our discipleship is exposed. Amen. Number five is this. I'm going to wrap it up. Lasting peace. Number five is this. Simply accept it. It says, you know, in chapter 4, verse 7, uh, He closes by saying, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We can understand it. We can feel it. We know when we have it or when we don't have it, but we can't really understand how the whole thing works. But but this peace that surpasses our understanding will guard our heart and guard our minds through Christ Jesus. I want to close with a couple of scriptures. I won't ask you to turn to it. It would take too long. Maybe you could write them down if you want, but Isaiah 40, 28 and 29, it says that uh, his understanding is unsearchable. Just paraphrasing a little bit. His understanding is unsearchable. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, the Lord is saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so, yeah, his thoughts are lofty and high. Who can really grasp it? Psalm 145, verse 3 says, uh, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Psalm 147, in verse 5, Great is our God and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. And in the New Testament, Romans eleven thirty three. It says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. There's part of God we can't understand. Although I like what Jesus said. He said, seek and you'll find. So what is he saying? He says, you seek me, you'll find what you need to know. You'll find me. But you'll never get to the bottom of who God really is. But you'll find Christ. His ways are above our ways. So this peace of God, how can we understand? Our life might, in some cases, our life may be falling apart. But in, in our innermost being, we have a peace with God and a confidence that everything's going to be all right. How do you explain that? That's God at work in your heart and in your spirit, in your circumstances. It's people, I, I meet people all the time. I think, Lord, they have such great faith. They have such difficulties going on in their lives, but they're standing there worshiping God, trusting you. How does that happen? It's a work of the Holy Spirit that brings a peace that overcomes our spirit and our mind. It's called faith. It's called trust. It's called running or fighting the good fight. It's called going for it. Even when you don't see it happening, trusting God for it. I love when people tell me things and uh, they may be having a difficulty or whatever in life or on their job, but they're going to their job. They're putting their best foot forward, doing the best they can do, trusting God to work it out. They're trusting God with their marriage. Their marriage might be very difficult, very, very uh, uh, disconnected, but they're trusting God that God's going to do something. There may be someone with a financial crisis, but they're trusting God to deliver. I love when I hear these testimonies. I heard it this week many times. We serve a God that does the impossible. He does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or imagine. And it may not always be exactly what we want, but he never fails us. I'll close with this one scripture. I love it. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things that you're concerned about will be added to you. So why don't we stand together just to, to summarize this. If you want lasting peace, just go on by what the word of God says in this passage. Number one, choose joy. So let me tell you now, tomorrow morning, choose joy. But I don't want to get out of bed. Choose joy. Reflect Jesus. When he's obnoxious toward me, yep. Yep. Know that Jesus is coming back, and it might be today. I'm serious. It could be today. Pray. Pray. Be a praying person. Find a place to go to. Spare room, your, your car, place at work. Many years ago, I worked at a prison, and every lunchtime, I... I go to the fire escape of the prison between 12 and 12.30 and read my Bible and pray. 
Everyone said, where did Rick go? Always oh, on the fire escape praying. Well, that's what I did. I had to. And accept his peace. Accept his peace. Wow, I feel like we just entered heaven right here with that good music right there. That's heavenly. Let let me just meditate on that for a minute. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love our faith for many reasons. One reason is that it incorporates music and melody. You know, it's part of our faith. A lot of world religions don't do this. Philippians 4, verse 6 Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Note, it doesn't say might guard your heart. It doesn't say maybe he will. It says he will. He will guard your heart. Let's say it together if we can. Verse number six. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You ever notice that when you have a big issue on your mind, you you get preoccupied with that, that issue, that becomes like the mountain in your life. But when you come into a church setting or a worship setting where you hear the word of God, that issue becomes small and God becomes huge. The issue is still there. It's just in a different perspective. I think that's what's happening when we gather together. It's what's happening right now. Let's read it one more time. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Every head bowed for just a moment, please. I wonder if there's anybody here today that needs God's peace. You know, just, I just need God's peace. Now, I, I'm assuming everyone has the peace that comes with salvation, but if you need salvation, that's okay too. But I think there's some hands reflecting the fact that we just need God's peace in life. I'm saved, but the, the issues of life are bogging me down and, and, and bothering me. I need the peace of God. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. <clears throat> how many of you, uh, I'm going to ask it, you could respond if you want, but how many of you need a prayer life? <laughs> And be, be honest, you know, or a better prayer life. We're going to pray for that. How many of us are wondering if Jesus came today, would I really be ready? Would I be taken? You know, would I be, would I be gone or do I need to get ready? I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to ask uh, Sister Patty and uh, Brother Allen, if you two could make yourself available to pray with people that may want to come up 
if there's anyone. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the gathering of the saints, Lord. This is great. This is what you want out of your people gathering together. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the offering. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you that we have kids ministry going on. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that never disappoints us. Thank you, Lord, for that. But, Father, we want to just pray for anyone that needs your peace. Lord, let us, let us do our part to pray and bring supplications before you. But let us be reminded that you already purchased that peace on Calvary. Let us maybe get into the flow of your spirit where we experience that peace. Maybe that's a good way to say it. Help us, Lord, to prioritize our thinking in our lives that we would spend time with you to receive that peace. Father, we pray uh, for those uh, in the house, maybe those online, that were honest and said, I need a prayer life. I just, need to, I just need to establish something in my routine every day where I block out time to spend with God. And Lord, I know you accept prayers everywhere, any prayer all the time. You always receive our prayers, whether we're walking in the in the store or driving the car or whatever we're doing. But Lord, there's something about that quiet time just where we close everything out and spend that time with you. I think, Lord, from Matthew 6 in the Sermon of the Mount, you said, let your prayer life uh, be a, a time to get alone with Almighty God. Go into your inner room, shut the door. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Lord, we pray that we would all be diligent to find our prayer closet. And Lord, also we want to thank you for the promise in your word that you are definitely coming back. Lord, in this season of upheaval and global dysfunction in the world, we all sense, Lord, it could be now. We hear these news reports of unusual things happening with weather, with wars, with the human condition, with with anger and violence increasing. So much is going on. But at the same time, Lord, we feel and sense the grace of God is overshadowing all of this because we think you're coming soon. Lord, help us to be ready. Help us, Lord, to do the disciplines we need to do and to walk in the victory that you provided for us on Calvary. So, Father, I thank you for this. I pray your blessing on New Life Christian Assembly, upon those online today, Lord. Let us all uh, uh, enter into this lasting peace that we can only have with you as we live in this crazy world where we live. Let us experience and live in and share the peace of Christ from our hearts. And we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you, everybody. We have some people here that will pray with you if you need prayer. Pamela and I are going to the door to say hello and goodbye. So we'll see you over there. God bless you.